I want to go with the Refresh series, and I want to just hit for you two stories about um, uh, being a refreshing person. And so if you have a Bible, go with me to the New Testament book of 2 Timothy. <clears throat> and uh, if you don't know where that is, head to the back of your Bible. And when you hit Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians start to slow down. 1 and 2 Timothy. You want 2 Timothy. So it says 2 Timothy, and I'm going to look at chapter 1. And then I want you to turn back a couple more pages to another book called Philemon. We're going to hit that one next. Um, and I, I want to give to you just two stories. and It's not going to be long, so just hang on with me, okay? But <clears throat> these two stories, and by the way, in the series of Refreshed, we have given you every week, uh, every weekend, a Bible message about how to be refreshed from the Lord in your mind, in your soul, in your spirit. You're talking with God and listening to your attitude, those certain things. And we've given you biblical principle, but while we're giving you that principle, then we've also turned around and given you a biblical illustration of that. So we've given you a biblical character of someone who lived that out. So what you're getting is Bible inside of Bible. You didn't even know it. Bam. It's happening. We think it's pretty cool that you're getting even more Bible than you think. Oh, I got a lot of Bible. Oh, we gave even more than you know. So today, I'm just going to give you two great stories, and then um, we'll send you home. This, this first story is a guy, and if we ever have any more children, we're going to name our son this. His name is Onesiphorus. Is that a cool name? Is that a great name? It's probably, yes, my wife told me this is another reason we'll probably never have any more children, but... Anesiphorus is his name. And, um, and he, to the Apostle Paul, was refreshing. By the way, there's a proverb that says, a generous person will prosper. You know, it's not a, that's not a promise from God. It's not a commandment from God. It's just a proverb. But being a proverb, this is generally true. Generous people tend to be, prosper. And, get this, the back end of the proverb, whoever refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So you want to refresh other people. And you've done this where you... How many of you have ever done this before? You go to help someone and then you yourself feel better about yourself. You ever had that happen? Yeah. How many of you have never had that happen? Because I'd like you to do that with me this week. Just be kind to me this week. See how that works out for you. Feel better about yourself. Yeah. Because when you refresh other people, you, you tend to stand back and go, wow, that ended up even better than I thought. And the biblical term for refreshed is, to, is just the idea of to cool again. And the idea of it in the Old Testament was a cool breeze, or in, in our language today, it would be, he's like a breath of fresh air. Whew, right? You ever had that? Have you ever walked in a room and it's like, oh, musty? And I open a window. Anybody? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, there are two kinds of people in the world. People who walk into a room and they go, oh, they're here. Okay. Right? That's one kind of person. Then there's this other person, right? Oh, they're here. Okay, all right, they're here. Oh my, I, I thought you might show up. How do you know well, some of those people? You're going to eat dinner with them on Thursday, right? You're, okay, they're here, or oh boy, they're here. Yeah, and what you want is to be the first one, right? You want to be the, ah, oh, they're here. Whoa, that's what you want. You want to be the refreshing person. And this is not a lesson on how to be a people pleaser, how to get people to like you, or how to influence people and create friends. There's books in the bookstore I'll show you that. No, this is a how to be a blessing to people, knowing that you have been so 
blessed. We give thanks because the God of heaven has blessed us, so we just, we just give him thanks. No, here's the story of Onesiphorus. 2 Timothy chapter 1. When you get the context of this, you just in a couple verses, this is going to open up a ton of, of uh, great thoughts for you for the week ahead. 2 Timothy is the second time the Apostle Paul will be writing to Timothy. Now, who's Paul? Paul was a guy who grew up, became an, an, an attorney, and he hated Christians. He hated Christ, he hated Christians. And one day, the Lord just knocked him down and said, why do you persecute me? And he turns to the Lord, and he, miraculously, his life changes. That, that in itself is a lesson to you and me. If, if ever you have someone who just hates Jesus, just know, eventually the Lord will knock them down, and they'll come to the Lord. They'll, they're going to come, eventually. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. It's going to happen, just a matter of if they do it willingly or not. So the Apostle Paul gets up and realizes, I, I need to follow Christ. He becomes a Christ follower in faith. When that happens, he starts preaching the good news of Christ, and he, he is a, a Jew's Jew, so he understands the Old Testament, so he can preach the good news, but he's also an attorney. He has a great thought, uh, way of thinking through things and, and ratcheting down on concepts and arguments, and so he's a really good preacher. He plants churches wherever he goes, so he's a church-planting missionary of sorts, but while he's doing that, the Roman Empire takes notice and really doesn't like him, so they want to throw him in jail, and, but because he's a Roman citizen and because he's also... A guy who's got some brains on him, he's got this attorney thing going, he says, I can appeal this. So he starts to appeal. The whole time he's appealing, he knows he's going from one jail to another. He gets out for a while, he's under house arrest, so he goes back into trouble. Finally, he just says, I appeal to Caesar, which means they're going to have to cart him to Rome. And when he goes to Rome, he knows, probably I'm going to lose my life. So when he writes Second Timothy, he knows he's in jail, he's probably never going to get out. He also knows that when he appeals to Caesar, they're going, to, they're going to throw him in the back of a wagon. That wagon's going to go across whatever territory it needs to go across. Greece, where Ephesus was, or, or Turkey, Macedonia, it would be called, or Turkey in our modern day today. He knows he's going to land in a cart, be thrown onto a donkey, and drug across countryside to get there. And you could very well lose the guy. You'd never find him. If you're a relative of his. He went to jail. We don't know where he is. And there's no way of connecting with him. And there's one guy who followed him all the way to Rome and then lost him and then found him, searched for him in the jail cells, which, by the way, they really didn't feed him or take care of him. This is not a place of great health care, great you know, three square meals a day. That's not the Roman Empire. No, they would throw you in a hole, throw a crate box over that, and that would be your jail cell. And if you survived that, then you go to court. And there's this guy, Onesiphorus, and he followed the Apostle Paul close enough that he never lost sight of him and, and got to where he was in Rome. Now, if he had gotten so close, he would have agitated the Roman soldiers. You know what they would have done? They would have arrested him too as an agitator. You get this? So t what happened was when people got arrested and they knew they were up for this, this life sentence or being beheaded, which is probably what happened to the Apostle Paul, before that happens, they, they stay back. And the reason they did that was they don't want to get arrested. They don't want it to happen to them. So when people got arrested, people tended to scatter. They tended to give up. And Onesiphorus never did. And he probably brought food and clothing to the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul would write in jail, I fought the good fight, I finished the course. In other words, I know I'm done. I fought the good fight, I finished the course, I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me. 
He says, I know I'm done. My life is like an offering. It's poured out on the ground. It's like a drink offering. Just poured out. I, I know my life is spent. But I'm so grateful for this one guy who looked after me. His name is Onesiphorus. Now, with that context, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Look with me at verse 15. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me. Stop there. You know, it's, it's, that's common knowledge. It's not a, an indictment against the people. You just know when people get arrested, people tend to scatter. What happened with Jesus when he got arrested? What happened to his disciples? They charged the jail cell? No. What'd they do? They ran when they were accused. Are you with him? What'd they say? I don't know the guy. Right. Why? Because I don't want to die. Okay? It's just that simple. So, with that context, you know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phagellus and Hermogenes. Now, these are two guys that are only mentioned once in the whole Bible. And what are they mentioned for? Giving up on their buddy. So when you get to heaven, you're going to be walking down the pearly streets, uh, the golden streets, pearly gates, golden streets. Get it right, Dave. <laughs> Not the golden arches. Thank God. Yes. <laughs> right? Get to heaven, and you meet Hermogenes. And you say, hi, good to meet you. When were you a Christ follower? Oh, yeah, first century. Oh, yeah? Did you know anybody? I knew Paul. You did? Yeah. Are you in the Bible? You're in the Bible. I, I knew I knew your name. Yeah, I go, what are you known for? Uh, <laughs> I abandoned him. I left him in jail. He gets mentioned one time. So here's your word. Don't be like him. Don't be like both of them. Instead, be like the other guy. Verse uh, 16. May the Lord show mercy on the household of Onesiphorus. Why is that? Because he refreshed me. There's our word. He was like a cool drink, a cool breeze. He was a breath of fresh air to me. And he was not ashamed of my chains. It did not bother him that I was in chains. I tell you, um, it, if you've ever had a son or daughter or relative or anybody close to you and they get put in the outfit and then they get shackled, it does something to you. And you go to hug them and they can't hug you back. It, it's hard. It's tough. And it'd be easy to back away. Real easy to back away. So don't be too hard on the guys who fled. Instead, though, decide I'm going to be the person who refreshes the, the godly people, and are not ashamed. They don't judge people by the chains. It doesn't bother them. Okay, now, that's one good illustration, but I want to show you how you can be that kind of a person. Go a couple pages to the back. Just turn the page a couple of times to the book of Philemon. Philemon, for you, may be one page long. And again, context is everything. In this particular uh, letter, Paul writes a real short letter to a guy by the name of Philemon about another guy with a really cool name. His name is Onesimus. Onesimus is a slave to Philemon. And, and Onesimus decides, I'm going to run away from Philemon. Philemon's a believer in Jesus. By the way, if, if you think this is a story about slavery, it's really not. Or if it's a statement against slavery, it's really not. What it is, it's how to get along in the midst of slavery. How to survive slavery. Uh, because no, no human government's ever going to be perfect, okay? I mean, we always think our country's the best, I, and I love our country, but no country ever in human history has ever been perfect. We get to heaven, and we see the new kingdom, the kingdom that is God's, then we're going to see 
perfection as it ought to be. Justice as it ought to be measured with mercy. So Philemon is a slave owner, and this guy Onesimus decides he's going to run away, which is a capital punishment. He could die for this. But while he runs away, he also steals from the guy. <laughs> if you ever want to tick your owner off, this is a great way to do it. As you run away, take his jewelry. You know. So he runs away. And who does he run into? He goes right into the face of the Apostle Paul. He meets him in Rome. Paul preaches the good news of Jesus Christ. Onesimus turns to Christ in personal faith. He says, who do you know? And he goes, well, I'm, I'm actually from Ephesus. It's a long story, but actually I'm a runaway slave. Oh, who's your, who's your slave uh, owner? Who's the master? Uh, this guy you wouldn't know. His name's Philemon. Get out. Philemon, I know Philemon. I'm going to send you back. You need to go back. He goes, no, he'll kill me. I mean, what teenage kid who hasn't wrecked the car? I can't go home. Why? They'll kill me. Right? He, I can't go home. So Paul says, I'll write a letter. You hand him the letter and just say, before you kill me, read this letter. Oh, yeah, that's going to work well. That's the book of Philemon that you're holding today. And the Apostle Paul says about Onesimus, is he's a good brother in the Lord. And you need to treat him not as a slave, but as a brother, because he's a brother in Christ. Now, in light of that context, go to Philemon. It's only one chapter long. Look at verse 4. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. I hear about your love for the holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop there. He says, I always pray for you. I always remember you in my prayers, Philemon. I love you. I love you because you are a holy guy. You're before the Lord. You have great love and great faith in Jesus. I love that for no other reason. Okay? What's he doing? He's not setting him up to tear him down. He's setting him up to say, this is who you are, Philemon. Hope you get this. This is who you are. Verse 6. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your, relation, your understanding of every good thing we share for the, God, for the sake of of Christ. Your love, verse 7, has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed, there's our word, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. This is not an equation, but here are certainly some ingredients. What I'm seeing here is really, really pretty simple. Paul meets Onesimus, who's a runaway prisoner, leads him to Jesus, sends him back to this guy, and as he writes him, he says, you're refreshing you have something to offer, Philemon, and what is it? Number one, you have, I pray that your partnership, verse six, there has to be this. If you want to be a refreshing per, a person, there has to be a partnership with Jesus that, that overwhelms any other partnership you have. There has to be a loyalty to Jesus, a commitment to Jesus that defines you more than anything else defines you. Understand this. If the political system of that day could divide these people, it, it would. And trust me when I tell you, even today, Satan would love to use the systems of this world to divide Christians against Christians, even today. Don't let them play that game on you. You are a partner with Christ. And since you're a partner with Christ, that overwhelms. That's the 51% of the company right there. That vote can never go against you. Your loyalty is always going to be there because I pray that your partnership with us in the faith 
may be effective in deepening your understanding. So this is going to end good, Philemon, because we're partners in the biggest business, the greatest mission in the world. So the question you have to ask yourself is this. The first ingredient, am I a partner with Jesus Christ? And is this partnership with him, does it overwhelm every other title? Does it become the driving title to who I am and the driving factor to my DNA? Because Christ is who we have in common. And for some cases, it may be all we have in common. It may not have much of anything else. You have to see this guy as a brother in the Lord. Some of you know this, but I, I've told you this before. I, I grew up in a family. I know it's hard for some of you to believe. But the reason I am the way I am is because I have two brothers, one older and one younger. They did horrible things to me as a child. You probably have a similar story, right? But you know what? My brothers are my brothers. Now, my, I have an older brother who's he's as different from me as could be. And I have a younger brother. We, we frankly told him, Mom found you under a rock, brought you in the house. We're not sure where you came from. But he's still my brother, right? And I, I don't, I mean, we, th- we have not lived together since, you know, I, I left for college at 18, and we've not been in the same house, but he's still my brother. They're both my brothers. And because they're my brothers, to this day, if they knock on the door, they come in. They're just brothers. And we'll differ all day long. We're different as could be. They're still my brothers. And when you know what happened to me? My older brother, I realized this in high school. I realized it until I was starting to do it with my younger brother. My older brother, he, he never would even admit to knowing me in public. I was in high school. Hey, hey. It's like he didn't know English. He just walked right by me. But he still kind of protected me. Do you understand that? He still watched out for me. Didn't let people do unthinkable things to me. And when I, I didn't realize it was happening until I was doing it with my younger brother and doing it for him because we're brothers. Understand this. You have a bond with the family of God, get this, that will not go away and will not fade and will not die and cannot be taken away. You have a bond with brothers and sisters in Christ because we have the same Father who is in heaven it makes you partners, go back to the text, and that out overwhelms anything else you can say about the relationship. Okay, that's ingredient number one. Ingredient number two, I pray that your partnership in the faith will be effective. Verse seven now, your love, there it is, has given me great joy. There's ingredient number three. Your love, in other words, if I'm going to be a refreshing person, not only do I have to be committed wholeheartedly to Christ and to this partnership that I am in relationships, but I have to love. So in other words, I don't ask yourself, am I loving? Because that's so fuzzy, it's so not definable. Ask yourself, am I seeking the best for the other people? That's love. That's the definition of love. Seeking the best for the object. Seeking the best for the people. If when you walk in a room, you're seeking the best for their interest, that's loving them. And that will be refreshing to them because people are not usually loved. They are usually used. Do you understand the difference? People use you to advance the kingdom of their company. People use you to advance their agenda. Instead, refreshing people love people. 
and bring out the best in those people. And then they bring, thirdly, an ingredient that is desperately needed is the ingredient of joy. So you have to ask yourself, am I bringing joy or am I bringing anxiety into the equation? And when you walk in the room, you want to be the person who brings buoyancy, joy to the relationship. And not that only. Go back to verse 7. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement. In other words, you're cheering them on. You find the hope. You find the place for the hope. And so you are believing the absolute best in your brothers and sisters in Christ. Because you, brother, you, sister, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. I hope you get this. So, you refresh the hearts. So, like Anesiphorus, you're not ashamed of the chains or ashamed of the brothers or sisters. And you let that go. You don't let the trappings around your brothers and sisters get in the way of the relationship. In fact, you're faithful and you track a brother or sister down, make sure they're okay. That's refreshing. That's refreshing. And you don't let the definition of whatever it is of the valley of their life going, that they're going through, you don't let that determine for you the way you think about them. You still see them as brother or sister. That, my friend, is refreshing. And you're, you're like Philemon. You're going to bring out the best in other people. You're going to bring buoyancy and joy to it, and you're going to encourage people on. Why? Because you're refreshing. And then... There'll come a day when you walk into a room and people will go, they're here. They're here. She's here. He's here. And you'll realize then you're refreshing. But like the Apostle Paul, if you do this well, you're going to fight the good fight. You're going to finish the course. You're going to keep the faith. And he writes in 2 Timothy, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me, but not to me only. He will give it to all those who love his appearing. And I have good news for you. If you'll live the refreshing life, you're going to get old and you're going to die. That's not good news. What's the good news? You're going to arrive into heaven and go through the pearly gates, and when you walk in, you know what they're going to say? They're here. And you will refresh the hearts of the saints the day you enter heaven. How cool is that? It's within you to do this because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And he can give you the love, the joy, the encouragement if you'll partner with him. Let's bow together for prayer. Awesome God in heaven, we are blessed by just the simple reading of your word and hearing the stories of believers before. For these two great examples to us, Lord, we don't want to miss out on what they bring to the table. They refresh the hearts of the people around them. May we be the same way. We can't save people. That's Jesus' job. We can't seal them. We can't convict them of sin. That's the Holy Spirit's job. We can't even overlook their life and change the events of their life. That's the, your job, Father. But what we can do, Lord, we want to do. We can partner with Christ and treat each other as brother and sister. We can 
offer love, joy, and encouragement. And we can head to heaven refreshing each other. May that be the path we choose this week and every week. We pray in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen.